Come, Holy Spirit, anoint this preacher up here, Father. Use him, we pray. As we look into your word, strengthen us. Open up our hearts, Father. Let us put all of our defense mechanisms down, Father, so that we can receive your word and be transformed by it. We need your help, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. So, that being said, we are in a season, and, and this is revelation in my own heart, and this is not just for freedom, but the church as a whole, it is, an, I believe, an intense season of warfare. Uh, and the Lord is waking us up. Does that make sense to anyone? And I, I have some, very, very, some clear purpose in this time, and that is I need to speak to the church, and I have, I want to speak to the church, but I also want to speak to those who have some belief that they are Christians. Does that make sense to anybody? Like, I have some belief. I know there are those that come to church, and I want you to know, I'm not busting on you. I'm glad you're here, but there's like this belief that I have a form of Christianity. I'm not like one of those Christians, you know, but I have, I have some faith. I have some belief. And, and it's, it's sometimes like this. It's like, I am a Christian, but I also share other beliefs. I all, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, but there's a lot of stuff going on and it doesn't always jive with, you know, with uh, what I believe is the truth. So I, I want to, I want to challenge us there because I believe part of the warfare is for us to be part-time with Jesus. Sometimes it's kind of like we're dating Jesus. Or we have, but we have, you know, we have some other stuff on the side. And, and so I want to challenge us all because I believe in this time that God is raising all of us up. He's raising the church up as a whole. Let me let me say this. I I if this is true, do you sometimes have just enough of Jesus to bug you instead of bless you. You know, just enough to irritate you. Oh, but I'm a Christian, or I would, you know, that, that kind of faith. So uh, my purpose today is I, wanna, I want us to lead us into a place of being victorious, greatly victorious, which means I have to do some warfare myself. So sometimes as a preacher, to a point, I may have to pick a fight. I have to pick a fight. Jesus did this all the time. I mean, Jesus will end up with a group of people, and he could have just kept everything. Jesus, just don't say it right now. Don't, don't say that. Remember when Jesus was on his way out of the temple, and everybody's admiring the temple, and on his way out, Jesus is walking with the boys, and he looks over at the disciples, and he says, guys, I know you're really impressed with the temple, but one day, not one stone will be on top of the other. It's going to be completely, Jesus, don't be saying that. Don't be talking like that. They will, they will crucify you. <laughs> yeah, well, and they did, of course. I, I'm, I'm telling you that sometimes the, the discussions, the things that we have seem a little bit difficult. That's okay because I'm fighting for your soul and for the souls of your future as well. You see, uh, today what you receive and what you accept and what transforms you, even in the worship time. Man, I, folks, I have loved worship all day long. We almost couldn't finish worship first service. That's why some of you are having a hard time finding a parking place because just the presence of the Lord has been so glorious today. But I, I want you to hear me that in the worship in the word, in the fellowship, what the Lord is doing is miracles in our life. He's challenging us and transforming us. We're not just going through a form of, oh, we're in church and we got to hear the preaching right now. Is he done with the music yet? We're not here to do a show. Literally, we're not here. I know I look good, but I'm not here. Why are you laughing at me right now? We're, we're not here for that. I'm fighting for you. Fighting for your kids, the things that are the things that happen in your life, you need to be transformed for your children and your grandchildren to be transformed. I'm also fighting for the church. We have to remain strong and courageous and victorious. And and let me just put you on notice at the conclusion of the service, I would like people to be set free. I would like to see repentance and confession. I want I, some of you are under attack. I want the enemy to be defeated in your life. I ought to have had a big amen right there. And at the very least, for some of you, I want you to know that there is an enemy that needs to be defeated. I started this a couple of weeks ago. Last week, Preston preached 
heavy. Uh, anybody got any plans on the 4th of July? Anybody got any plans on the 4th of July? Okay, so some of us will be out of town with our relatives or having some vacation or blowing up some illegal fireworks or something like that. And, um, Jesus. And, uh, but we'll be having church. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have one of our military guys speak, you know, veteran Marshall Washington. Somebody praise God for Brother Marshall. Uh, anyway. Uh, two weeks ago, armor up, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You want to read that with me? Finally, this is the end of Ephesians. That's why he's saying finally, finally, I'm wrapping this up. This is sincerely. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, full armor of the Lord that you may able to anybody reading with me. Okay. We'll start again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And, of course, the version I'm reading here reads this way, that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Anybody ever read the epistle of Ephesians? Have you read it from, you know, all six chapters? Anybody ever read that? It's not a heavy read. There are, there is a clear division between the first three chapters and the second three chapters. You understand that when it was written, it wasn't written with numbers and chapters. It was just written. It was, it was a letter. Paul wrote it before he died. He was in, uh, in prison shortly after this. Uh, his head is going to be taken off because he refuses to stop sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he's not afraid. He says, it's better for me to go. It's better for you that I stay, but it's better for me to go. So uh, he is writing this to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus is a Gentile church that has come to Christ, uh, and they're having to overcome. Anybody ever have to overcome some stuff from years gone by? Anybody? So they're having to overcome some stuff from years gone by getting through some things. And so the first three chapters of it are indicatives. It is what God has done for us. That's what it, it, these are the statements, the declarations of what God has done for us. He saved us. He seated us. We are children of the Most High God. We are victorious through Christ. The work of the cross is those first three chapters, and you knowing who you are, because sometimes you would do all right. You could get through something if you knew who you are, but you're having an identity problem. You're having spiritual identity crisis in your life, and so uh, it is important for you to understand that the indicatives are powerful, but once you know who you are, the last uh, two chapters, or last three chapters, four, five, and six, are imperatives. They are what you got to do. Now you know who you are. If you know who you are, now you're going to have to do what God has called you to do. And a great deal of this, three times, he makes this statement. Specifically in Ephesians 6, Paul writes, stand firm. Somebody shout, stand firm. Shout it, stand firm. <laughs> Say it three times. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Says that three times. You're, gonna, you're going to have to make a stand. Three times he says it. Make a stand. Stand firm. Get your feet set. So I want us to continue in this armor. Uh, next week we'll be talking about the helmet of salvation. Uh, people need to know about salvation. Amen? But this week I want to talk about just the first part, this opening scripture, and talk to you about fighting for the truth. Folks, you have to fight for the truth you got to stand firm for the truth. And you may think, no, I don't even feel like I'm fighting for the truth. That could be a problem. If you're, if you're not fighting for the truth, you may have already fallen for something else. Fighting for the truth. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Now, if you know me... I don't know how long some of you have been around the church. I've been around here for a long time. I haven't been around as long as some people have. Uh, Tootsie Mallison, who is 95 years old, was at first service. And she was telling me that 46 years ago, when she first started, 
Uh, I've been here since 1986, and I assumed the pastorate in 1989. I was 12 years old, and uh, <laughs> some of you are saying, well, I, well, that's still old for some of you. You were 12 and 86? I, no, I wasn't. I was, I was, I was too young, and, uh, but uh, one of the stories, you probably heard me tell the story of inheriting a broke church. I mean, church was broke, broke, and he broke, 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 broke. Not only we didn't have any money, we just didn't have any money. Didn't have, didn't have much money at all. And uh, the Lord inspired me. It just uh, focused. He said, you focus on the harvest. Just focus on the harvest. Just focus on the harvest. And, and we didn't. The Lord broke that. In fact, I'll just go ahead and tell you this. In five years, we will have no mortgage payment on this church, okay, <laughs> on this entire property. We're five years away. Unless somebody wants to write a check for a few hundred thousand dollars, we could finish that right now. But... Uh, okay, keep praying about that. Uh, so I assume a pastorate, a lot of financial struggles that are going on, and uh, just just needing to take care of things. Just just wish we could, you know, pay the mortgage and do things. You just don't want to pastor that way. That's really tough. However, the Lord built a lot of things in my life, and one of the things that He taught me, He taught me some things through struggle. So one of the leaders brought a man to the church who was um, who he found out was a guy that uh, was he helped in brokering mortgages and he had investors so that you could uh, drop your interest rate and you know you put a little bit of money up front and it sounded good because you know there's some leaders that brought it and so we just thought wow praise god and there were some other churches that were involved some churches that I knew of that are also also involved in it. His name was Buddy. I won't tell you his last name, but his name was Buddy. And I don't know if that was his first name, but uh, worked it out until we put some money up front. So uh, we ended up putting money up front that we did not have. This was like 1990, uh, that we did not have so that we could lower our interest rate, put some mortgage payments off for a while, and settle our budget. Uh, little did we know that the man was a con man. He conned us out of a few thousand dollars, and uh, I just want to tell you how I responded to that. I was ticked. I was so irritated, and I, I, was, I was upset. I, didn't, I, I had to find him, so I found him. I found him. Evidently, he had this business. He was operating like a sweatshop here in Virginia Beach, and I walked right into the business, walked right through the doors, and found him. Hey, buddy! Bring, give me my money back. That's not yours. Give it back. Oh, 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 it's all nervous and stuff like that. And I'm a little skinny preacher. He's standing about this tall. But I was upset. And not only that, I found his phone number. And I called him constantly. I'm not talking about when you could block phone calls. It was like it was your business phone. It was your house phone. I was so upset with this guy. All right? So uh, I called him. And then I found out where he lived. And I parked my backside on his front porch. I, I, I didn't assault him. But I was incredibly... Uh, forceful with my conversation about the things that I was about to do. And uh, it took me a couple of months, but eventually he returned all the money that he had taken from us. Go ahead, Pastor Rick. It was an awesome test for a pastor who was about 30 years old at the time. One that I learned a great deal from. Anybody ever had a revelation that you had been lied to? Anybody had a revelation that you had lied to? Anybody? And out of that revelation, you responded to that lie. It's not just that you were lied to. It's that you responded to that lie by giving something of yourself away. You gave some time. You gave money. You gave something to them, a part of yourself, your money, your dignity, your chastity. I don't know who, who I was mostly upset with when Buddy, Buddy took that money from us. I don't know if I was more upset with him or upset with me. Get, anybody been irritated at yourself? How could I have gotten sucked into that? I should have researched it better. I should have checked his references better. But I, I want you to understand, deception is big business in the world. So something that amazes me today is that is, is the number of phone calls I get from people who are con men. 
con women, con people, liars, cheaters. And they, they move through fear. They, they are after, listen, they are after any resources that they can steal from you. They want you to answer the phone. Has anybody ever answered the phone before and talked to any of these people? I actually thought if I could just talk to one of these people, maybe I could get them saved and set free. So I pushed the button to get me to the next level. And somebody from some other country answered the phone. And I said, you know, you're lying to people. You know, you, you, need, to, you need to stop this. What can I do to help you stop? And he began to assault me verbally and say all kinds of nasty things and threaten me and threaten my home. And I said, well, evidently I ain't getting anybody. So I hung up on him, but evidently he turned my number over to like 500 other people after that. And, and they say things like this. Now, I don't answer them now. Well, maybe on occasion just for hoots and hollers, but, but they say things like this. Now I answered one the other day and they said, uh, they, they left a message is what they did. They left a message for me and they said, uh, you, you please return our phone call immediately. We are about to cancel your social security number. <laughs> Another person said, we are with the IRS and you have not responded to our auditing. And therefore we are going to be removing all of your savings and you need to contact us immediately. I know who they're going after. They're going after people who are gullible. And you're saying, well, you know, pastor, I don't relate to that because... I'm not gullible. Come on. If you, were, if you weren't gullible, you wouldn't be in the situations that some of you are in right now. Satan is, Satan is very good at conning people. He is a liar. Bible says he is the father of liars. In fact, Jesus actually says that deception, lying, is his native language. It's the way that he talks. You understand that all these people that I'm talking about are small timers. This is the spirit of the age that we are in. We are living in the age of the greatest deception, and many of us are being sucked into believing lies. I'm going to set you up today. Spent a little time in Ephesians 6, but what you may not understand is that Ephesians 6 is an answer to individuals who are being drawn into believing lies. They have a tendency to succumb to lies. They believed in the work of the cross and they believed in salvation. I love Ephesians 2. How many believe Ephesians 2 and 8? For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not by works. Otherwise, you could boast. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, not by good works, but for good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. So you understand, you say, well, I'm not saved by works. That means I don't have to do anything. You miss the scripture. You think that you were saved by grace, therefore there is nothing that you have to do. So now you're living like a heathen because you're saved by grace. Somebody told you that nothing matters. Oh, that's all the law. No, you were saved before you did anything so that you could walk righteously by the power of the Holy Spirit. Get this. We are the church and because of grace... We now sit with Jesus. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are in fellowship with one another. We walk in forgiveness with Christ and with one another. And we are children of the Most High God. So it's as though because we're saved by grace, we can live like heathens. And I have a question. Who scammed you? How is it that we've been given the very Spirit of God but we are bound by habits and sexual brokenness and deviant behavior and addictions and unforgiveness and gossip. You say, gossip's not like all of that stuff. It is in the Bible. What, what are you going to do about the fact that you've been lied to? Doesn't it irritate you just a little bit that God saved you and Satan sucked you in with a lie and we believe lies? And the scripture says you can believe a lie and be damned. That's right, I said damned right here in the pulpit. Yes, you can believe it and end up living in brokenness and God wants to set you free. You still want this? This is a cute sermon, isn't it? Said, Pastor, he's so funny today. No, I'm not. I am not. So here, here's, your, here's the news. The devil is running a scam. 
Be strong in the Lord and his power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, against the wiles of the devil. So look carefully, devil schemes or wiles. It's, it is a Greek word that actually can be translated scam. The devil is running a scam. It's toxic. Satan is a full-time liar. This scam is highly developed. It is not of flesh and blood. All right? It is not being done by flesh and blood. It is led by rulers, authorities, and spiritual forces in heavenly realms. The scam is not being run by your husband or your wife or your boss or your old friends. That's not where the battle is. It's the person. Come on. It's not the person that is the problem. It's the scam artist who deceived that person that lied to you. Can't believe you lied to me. Believe it. People will lie to you. They got scammed. Now they are proprietors of the scam themselves. Someone hurt you, fails you, unfaithful to you. They have been scammed. They are believing a lie and acting on it. You should be able to look at them with compassion and say, Oh, I'm sorry you've been lied to. You believed that. Let me ask all of you a question. How many of you have ever been influenced by a voice or an inner suggestion that you know did not come from your loving Father God? If, if you could, you, if, I had, if you had to, you could stand up and tell it. It's true of most, most of us. And you were not only influenced, but you followed the suggestion. Nobody, just me? Okay, three or four of us. I don't want to go through all of these principalities and powers, but let me remind you that this is a highly influential spiritual authority headed by Lucifer himself, and he is an instigator, an aggravator, a demonic delegator. He is the enemy of your soul. And you might, listen, there are people that you trust very much who you actually believe only want the best for you and they have been influenced by the enemy and they will speak that lie directly in your life and you'll follow them and do exactly what they say and celebrate them. But I want you to know that just because you're rich or important or really nice does not mean you have not been influenced. Folks, we, I want you to know how deep it is. Look at what Jesus says about our adversary in John 10. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. He will give you stuff, stuff so, just so he can take more valuable things away from you. He, he will make you think that something is making you better and it will actually destroy your life. He will do something and it will seeming, seemingly be on your behalf, but it is really destructive. Look at what Peter says. He says, you need to be sober. You need to be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is walking about like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking whom he may devour. He is looking for someone to destroy. That's what he does. Jesus explained it to the Jews in John 8. The Jews who had believed on Jesus, Jesus said this, if you hold to my teaching, listen carefully. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So disciples of Christ do what? Hold to his teaching. He said, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now look at, look at their response. They said, we are Abraham. This, this comment made them mad. We're Abraham's descendants. We haven't been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? So they had an attitude. They had been scammed into believing that they were free even though they were enslaved. This is powerful. It hits home. In verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. How many hate slavery? Anybody hate slavery? Anybody hate it? He says this, everybody who sins, sins because they are enslaved. Sin is telling you what you must do. Sin has deceived you. And a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now here's the lie. The devil had seduced these Jewish people into racial validation. 
Because I am an Israelite, I am free. Because I'm an Israelite, I don't need anybody to save me because of this. And Jesus explains, it doesn't matter what your nationality is. If you're a sinner, you are a slave. All sinners are slaves to sin because you sold your freedom for the lie that you are free to live however you choose. No, you are deceived into believing that you have made the choice when really what you did is you bought into the lie. You gave them some money so you could lower your interest rate. Jesus is saying, if you believe me and trust me, I will show you the truth and expose the lie. And he goes on to say, why is my language not clear to you? In verse 43, because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. What if I preach that way? I don't know if I can survive. Somebody, he told me I belong to my father, the devil. I ain't coming back to that church. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, and there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is saying... You have bought into the devil's lie and you have sold your soul in order that you could have a form of freedom which is not freedom at all. And you say you're free. Even though, anybody remember the Jewish history? We've never been enslaved. Ah, remember Pharaoh? Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Remember Belshazzar? Do you remember all of these stories? You've been a slave over and over and now Caesar owns you. You're not a slave. You are a slave just look at your life can i tell you what some of you're dealing with right now the greatest scam the devil has ever pulled was to convince you and the world that he doesn't exist best scam stop talking about the devil pastor don't talk about the devil it's not even halloween don't be talking about the devil see the devil doesn't come at you with fangs and blood. He comes at you to steal your hopes, to destroy your family, to leave you bitter and angry, to disrupt your heart and leave you relationally broken. Let me tell you, when you were in the second grade and your teacher, anybody remember your second grade teacher? Standing up in front of you, mine was Mrs. Greenlee, okay? So anyway, she's standing up in front of you, or he's standing up in front of you, And says, what do you want to be when you grow up? You never raised your hand and said, I want to be confused. I want to be broke. I want to be busted and disgusted. I want to be a thief. I want to be addicted. I want to grow up and have as many sexual partners as I possibly can have. I want to raise my children to be lost and to make it more real in these last days. Satan is in the scam business and he starts it with you as early as he possibly can. You say, that was the second grade. No, some of you are still overcoming the lies that you believed when you were in kindergarten. Some things that you believe, abandonment issues, stuff that have happened in your life. You haven't gotten over it in all of your life, and you're here right now listening to me, and you've and you got stuff, things that have happened, and belief systems. You wouldn't be here right now if somebody would have told you the truth then. Let me, let me make myself totally clear. The way the devil works, this is his way. It's his mode. It's it's his modus operandi, his MO, to get you to believe a lie. Everyone who is messed up, lost in darkness, I can tell you the common denominator is this. The devil has made you believe some kind of a lie, and that belief system has taken precedent over everything else. Jesus came, however, to set us free from the scam. All right, so what do we do? The belt of truth. The belt of truth comes first. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, I'm not a fashionista by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know that you don't put your socks on before your shoes. Now, I just said this, but can I tell you, in coming days, somebody's going to come up with this. I've got to get me some of those shoe socks. You know, you wait. It's going to happen. So you're going to put your shoe on, then you put the sock over top of it. Going to come up to your knee. Somebody's writing this down. It's, go ahead. I want credit for this, all right? I want credit. 
when it comes out. Maybe it already happened. I don't know anything about it. But they're going to be shoes or shoes under your socks is going to be the coolest thing. I should go ahead and written, written this down myself. Uh, you see, I know a little bit about clothing. For instance, I know, maybe I'm confused, but I know that underwear is supposed to be worn under your clothes. Amen. All right? Amen. Did I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Oh, now he's picking on us right now. Why is that insulting to some people? That I would say that. That underwear should be worn under and not outer. Why is that so insulting? Why is that weird to people? Okay, I'm going to say this, all right? Belts are for buckling around your waist. Okay, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. I know I am. Around your waist, not your thighs. Okay, now wait, wait. I love you if that is your fashion sense, okay? I love you, all right? Can I get an amen from somebody? Can I get one amen? Go ahead, Pastor Rick. I know about clothing. Now, listen, if you, if you have a belt, all right, here's something else. You should put it on securely, all right? If my pants are not working because I lost some weight, all right, which I've, I, I got anybody, anybody been, been alive long enough to have some fat clothes, skinny clothes, anybody, okay, three or four of us, okay, so I got, I put a pair of pants on this morning and put them back in the very back of my closet because I like them, but anyway, they just, they need to go away for a little while, all right? Listen, belts are for securing things, kids and car seats. So I have a granddaughter, you know, and we have a car seat. Now, there was a time when putting her in a car seat was easy because you just kind of carried her in a little chair and snapped her in. But now she's going to be four. Evidently, you got to wear car, use car seats till you're like 14 now, all right? So putting a car seat on my baby granddaughter is not as easy as it used to be because there are like two buckles up here and there are a couple of buckles down there. You got to buckle the seat in. You got a strap on the back. I mean, you've broken a sweat by the time you get that car seat on there, but the car seat and she knows every buckle. Pat, Pat, you missed one. That buckle over here. But then there are places where you loosen it because as she grows and so I've got it almost to the end. I'm in new car seat uh, shopping right now. That's where I am because she's going to the next level of her car seat. And now evidently I can't just put her in like the, the, the other little seat. Now I got to get a bigger. Help me, Jesus. But here's what I learned. It's really important that you have a good car seat because you don't want your baby going through the windshield. You don't want them partially buckled in. You want them fully buckled in. And that's the way deception works. We're driving the road unbuckled or not securely buckled and things happen in our life. And all you have to do is like, well, I got part of the truth. I got a little bit of the truth. I'm not fully buckled in. Satan knows the area that you're not buckled in and he wants to attack you in that particular area. So fully be buckled in. Stand firm with the belt of truth firmly buckled around your waist. I am so blessed. You haven't, i got to get my daddy back here. He hasn't been here in years. My dad hasn't visited us in six years. My dad turns 83 in July. Still a preacher of the word of God. Still has his guitar every Sunday. He stands up in his little church there in Camden, Ohio and plays his guitar and sings old song. I love my daddy. And all the songs he sings, I can sing too. I know all of his old songs. I grew up singing them. I also grew up in Sunday school. I got one Sunday school person. We're teaching our kids right now. We teach them on Wednesdays and we teach them on Sundays. It's really important. They're not being babysat right now. They are learning the word of God. Sunday school songs. What is the number one Sunday school kids song through the generations? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So why do we keep, teach those kids that song? Because they're cute when they sing it. No, 
Because fundamentally, we're buckling them in for the ride. We want them to have this truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I still know Jesus loves me. You're grown-ups. You're still singing it. But it wasn't just a song to be sung. Here's the problem we have with songs right now. All of our songs are, songs are so cute. I mean, even sometimes in worship, you just want a song that you can move with. You know, you want your style, what you need. And this is what worship is about. Anybody ever read Psalms that stands for songs? It was what they sang. You need to know the Lord is your shepherd and you don't have to be at one. He will make you to lie down in green pastures. He'll lead you beside the still waters. You need to know. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You need to know. No, Joshua 1 and 9, be strong and courageous for the Lord is with you. And, and you need to know that he is with you everywhere that you go. You need to know the word of God. We're buckling you in. We're not playing games. We're not up here just to sing your favorite song so you can praise Jesus with your twerk. You know, that's not what it's about. We're planning, so listen, memorize this song. Get you a worship playlist, because some of you missed Sunday school. Help me. Jesus. Anybody remember all these songs? Like, uh, anybody remember this? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. When they're just threatening us. No. No. Don't let your baby run out into the parking lot today. Hold his hand. And and grown-ups, you're going to have to be careful. When I was singing that, there was no such thing as internet. Some of you need to learn this song. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful. I learned that in Sunday school. I learned songs. Here's one. Um, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious. There's some people that don't like that song anymore, but can I tell you that I grew up in a predominantly white community. I'm sorry, you may not have known that, but I am a white boy. I didn't know. I, I want you to understand that we needed the word of God, and that was a word. Because I found out later that in Revelation, if you take a look, in the kingdom of God, one day we will stand together from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, and that the Great Commission was going to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I was getting buckled in for days like we're living in right now. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So, beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7. I learned that. I, w- I thought I was just singing in the kids' choir. Come to find out I was being buckled in for the ride. It's the, it's the hymns that you know and you love. Beloved, listen, you need to study. To show yourself approved, a, a woman, a workman rightly dividing the words of truth doesn't have to be afraid. So here's some ideas. Bible study, discipleship. What? I don't have time to go to discipleship. Maybe if you would be, come on, help me. Personal devotions, the preached word of God. You say, pastor, sometimes when you preach, I get a little lost and tired. I know it's pretty deep sometimes. Drink coffee. And here's another idea, the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will buckle you in and remind you of everything. I'm talking about putting the belt of truth on. Holy Spirit is also called, Jesus said in John 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You need Holy Spirit in your life. Listen, you need talking to you, Holy Spirit, in your life. Speaking to you, Holy Spirit. Leading you and guiding you, Holy Spirit, in your life. Okay, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting here. 
So why do I need all of this? Because the truth will give you stability. Stand firm with a belt of truth buckle around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet shattered with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You need the peace with God. You need righteousness in place. Breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to walk in righteousness, and I need to walk in peace with God. This is all connected with the with the with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, now get this. Uh, some of you don't understand this. I got any weightlifters in the house? Where's my weight? You guys ever wear one of those big giant belts around your? Who does that? You ever do that? Why do you do that? Because it just makes you look cool. It sucks your abs in or something like that. You do it to strengthen your core. Because if your core breaks, you can't lift anything. So the belt of truth, a soldier understood it because they were going to have to carry about 100 pounds of weight. Because of that, they needed the belt of truth or they would not be able to carry the sword of the spirit. See, the belt was like Batman's utility belt, all this stuff. The belt is what you're going to lean on because you're not going to be standing just for eight hours. You're constantly going to be standing. And if you don't have truth on, you're not going to be able to to, to hold the shield. You're not going to be able to swing the sword. Some people say, I got the sword of the spirit. And I'm saying, you're probably mishandling the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, if you don't have the belt of truth in your life. And I'm going to get more to this, but I want you to understand you need the belt of truth for stability in your life. The belt of truth is God's objective truth. Say it, objective. Let me explain objective. Some, Some of you are already too blown away by what I'm saying, but we're so blown away over cultural opinions and feelings right now. I'm telling you that your feelings have nothing to do with this truth. You say, well, pastor, when you speak that, it hurts my feelings. Now, you know I'm concerned with your feelings, right? But I'm talking about truth right now, and I'm just going to say, well, bless your heart. I am so sorry that your feelings hurt, but I cannot back off. You see, we want to deal with your brokenness, and we want to deal with your error, but when we talk about God's objective truth, your feelings are not relevant because it is objective, not, because, because truth is objective, not subjective. You see, that's what gets us into so much trouble in the first place. Be careful when you start listening to your feelings or just listening to your culture rather than holding on to truth. Your feelings will misguide you. They will lead you into life. Well, I felt it was good for me. It was right for me. That's the way I felt. I was born that particular way. I'm saying I know you felt that way, but the truth does not change because you had a bad day. That's what gets us into so much trouble. Be careful when you start listening to your feelings. This is what Paul means when he says, stand firm. Stand firm. I want to run. No, stand firm. In the 21st century, there has never been problems, any problems that we faced in the past that the word of God does not give us clear teaching and instruction on how to live. The question is whether or not you're going to receive that teaching whether or not you're going to place it around your waist and balance the rest of your life upon it. The truth is that you can come here every single Sunday and say, I believe God's word and shout hallelujah. That's the truth. But if you don't buckle it around your waist, if you don't apply it to your life, if you don't live it out, you will crumble under the deceptive attack of the enemy. Satan will have you for lunch. What you need today is to embrace this message. Don't just scurry out the door and allow distorted, deceptive, devilish, love is love, you do you, globalistic, atheistic, possessed culture, validate the lies that you feel are the truth to you. I'm going to listen to my feelings or I'm just going to listen to how I feel. Listen, Paul says you better watch out with your intellect for it is The message of the foolishness of the cross that will save your soul. So as you know, I'm not here to entertain you this morning. I'm here to get you ready for the next days. So I just need to tell you this one thing. Put your belt on. Somebody shout, put your belt on. So if you begin in Ephesians 6 
with the belt of truth, the breastplate, with the belt, with the breastplate of righteousness, with your feet shod with the preparation that comes with the gospel of peace. Everything else is take up. Because you have these, you can take up these other things. I know you're struggling with this truth, but Paul is telling us, and this is what he says before he begins this, in 4, 5, and 6, in this objective portion of Ephesians, he says, I'm going to tell you some things now so that you will no longer, this is verse 14, Ephesians 4, you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men. Just because you know some scripture, just because you grow up in church does not mean you were wearing the belt. Amen. So listen, since we've settled that you must have it on, I want you to hear this. You put the belt of truth on. It's not, it's, it, it is not something... Always that you have. You need to put it on. You have to gird yourself with truth. And here's the good news. Truth will give you real freedom. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples and you will know the truth. Say it. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, here's what I know some of you have been thinking as I've been talking. So, so far as I, I, I talk about the truth. The last thing you think about when I say truth is freedom. Because Satan has deceived you. I know you don't like coming to church with this preacher up front yelling you, telling you've been deceived. But we live amidst mass deception in America. In our world, when I start speaking about truth, because you are so convinced that truth is not relative, you start to give me a stiff arm, and you start shutting me out. It's like, oh, I don't like truth because truth is like rules. I hate rules. I hate regulations. They're all inhibiting. Truth is boring when, in fact, the opposite is true. Truth gives you freedom. How is it? When you know what the truth is and when you let God's word give you guardrails in your life, when you let God's word define you with, with, with what is appropriate and what is acceptable in your life, how you speak, truth helps you. How you speak, how you spend, how you live out your sexuality, how you date, who you date, when you, when you let God's word shape your life objectively, absolutely, then and only then do you truly have freedom. Freedom to be the woman or the man God calls you to be. So how many of you have ever been around parents who are obviously not giving any direction to their kids? Okay, yeah, you know who they are. Stop pointing at that person in the row. Okay, stop that. So have you ever seen that, that family that in the grocery store and you say, if I could, just give me that baby for five minutes. Jesus, just give him. So it's, it's true. Parents... Uh, are, are purposely not giving their children parameters right now. It, there was actually a term called free-range parenting. Raise your kids like chickens, you know? As a pastor, I'm also a dad, so let me speak to some parents. Uh, God has not called you to be your children's buddy. They need a godly parent who's full of truth. In this day and age, here, here's what's popular. We're not going to give little Johnny too many rules or instruction because we want Johnny to self-actualize. Listen carefully. The most miserable children on the planet are those that didn't have structure and guidelines and rules and direction. Because as I've told you, the truth gives you stability and the truth gives you freedom. So just so you know that this is not some man-made stuff. I, I love, 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 love this verse in John 8, 31. If you abide in my word, and you are my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The number of times somebody has come to me and said, Pastor Rick, I have met someone, and I believe they're the one, and I ask this question, so are they, do they love Jesus? Are they, they go to church? Well, no, not yet, but I'm believing, and here's my next response, call them and break up. In fact, if you're dating somebody that doesn't know Jesus, text them right now. Amen. Pastor, you said that? Yes. Text them right now. Cancel your date tonight. Amen. They need to know Jesus before they know you. Amen. I said that. 
You say, well, pastor, why would you say that in the middle of this teaching on truth? Because 2 Corinthians 6 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what the righteousness and wickedness have in common. And can I go there for a moment? Please don't be confused about what freedom is. I'm in a dilemma right now. And part of it is because like never before has the subject of same-sex attraction been thrown into my face. Let me set you free from the power of darkness and let me set you free from the bondage of the deceiver. And not just that, let's just say adultery in general. Can I talk about adultery? You're not supposed to be sleeping with somebody out of marriage. That, that is sin. And I love you, and I'll do a free wedding for you. Okay? You, you hear what I'm saying? How many know I would? Anybody know that? I, I want you to know that marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept, pu- kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. So we say, but I don't feel good about that. I didn't ask you how you felt. I said, put the belt of truth on. Can I just hit this topic one more time? Homosexuality, transgenderism, is that it's at an all-time high. And I don't see it ending because it is, this is developmental in culture. This is not something, you say, well, it's always been this. No, it's increasing significantly right now. And if you are struggling with same-sex attraction, I want you to know how much I love you and I care for you. And please don't think I'm mad at you or I hate you. I love you. I want to talk with you. I want to go to lunch with you. I want, I want you to come over and hang out. I love you. But I still want you to know the truth because you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. How many know I'm telling the truth? Anybody? And we know this at Freedom. We see people set free all the time at Freedom Fellowship. So all the experts in the world cannot deny what I already know to be true. They walk in, people walk here, they come here, they get set free by the power of Jesus. Bible's very clear about this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. People, th- there it is. If, if you suppress the truth because of your choice to participate in wicked, wickedness, it's dangerous because the wrath of God gets revealed. All right, so this is serious. Everybody say, this is serious stuff, Pastor. This is serious stuff. So you might say, but pastor, people say this, but this is opinion. No, it's the truth. Have you ever read Romans chapter 1? He, he talks about how this all began. He said, for they knew God, not, but they neither, neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So they knew God, but they didn't recognize him. And then in verse 24, therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires. In other words, this is your choice. It's your choice. Uh, Their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. In verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relationships for unnatural ones in the same way. Men also abandoned natural relationships with men and were inflamed with lust for one another. Get this. When I say this, some people are saying, well, they did just make a choice. I agree. Basically, generationally, it is developed more and more and more as, as we teach our children that truth is not truth. And we give them brokenness and we give them abandonment and things just develop and they're out of control and if you don't have compassion for people that are struggling like that you need to let holy spirit come inside of you it didn't just happen it has been happening listen there comes a point of time however when god releases them and gives them over to these lusts and i believe that what we're going on and what's going on in our nation right now is people saying i I know, I've heard this, but all of the Bible just isn't true. So in other words, you're going to put a different belt on. In verse 29, he says, They became filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, and invent ways of doing evil. And I researched some of that, and can I tell you, the new ways of doing evil are way out there. No, no, you can get mad at me for saying this if you want to, but I love you. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our school teachers. We need to pray for our counselors. Amen. But don't get mad at the mailman. I'm just delivering the message, okay? 
There is a reason we see so much of this confusion in our world. This is just one of the issues. But listen, it is a development in our world. This is a product of the world, of believers who have been trying to swing the sword, speak peace, but have refused to, first of all, put on the belt of truth. It is judgment. It is defeat. It is utter confusion. It is believing a lie. The level of brokenness is because we have been sharing a Christianity without the belt of truth, not Freedom Fellowship. Amen? Come on. Not the true church of the Lord Jesus. We will not. Somebody shout, we will not we will not we're gonna love people anybody is welcome to come into this particular place our arms are open but we believe that the truth will set you free not validation of a lie the truth will set you free I didn't know how broken I was I didn't know I had no idea how broken I was driving down the road with Diana just this week, and we were talking and, you know, listening to some music and talking, and I looked over at her because, of, you know, a weird dream that I'd had just the day, a couple days before, and I said, I didn't even know that I was born into a Christian family, and even though I knew all of my Christian songs, the enemy attacked me at a very young age through sexual abuse by a trusted teacher, you know, that sort of thing that had happened in my life. I never even knew what the enemy was really trying to do. It wasn't just to abuse me. It was to get me to no longer consider the belt of truth. Anybody remember those days when the belt was kind of hanging loose around you? Anybody remember that? I mean, you're singing in the choir and going to church and all of that, but truth was just, you were struggling with it. Can I get an amen from anyone? Some of you are right here right now, and I'm telling you these things, and you can feel spasms in you. It's like you don't know whether to slap me or fall in the altar. You just don't know exactly what to do. But would you just for a moment thank God that I'm not afraid to preach the truth in these days? Would you just give thanks to the Lord? I'm not, I don't need your slaps on the back, but I do need you to know that it is the truth that will set you free. And I'm not just telling you this for you. I'm telling it for your neighbors and for your children. I'm saying let's raise up a church that is strong, that will rise up with the armor of God, but begins with truth. Stand with me. We're going to pray. Stand with me. Praise you. Come on. Let's give thanks to the Lord for his word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me set this altar up. Hopefully you have uh, communion in your hands, okay? Uh, I've got communion in my hands. I'm about to. I'm about to be delivered it by my wife. Thank you, dear. Oh, goodness. I'm so blessed. Anybody married? Anybody married? Okay. Married. Marriage is so cool. Anybody married to somebody that will hold you accountable? Somebody, yeah. And it's all the men lifting their hands right now. Got any women that, you know, such a blessing. We got that candle on our table that we light every morning and we pray and read the Bible. Uh, Eat breakfast, pray and read the Bible and read the Bible and pray. But the other day, I'm supposed to light the candle. And for some reason, I didn't light the candle. I got in such trouble. I'm grounded. No, I'm not, but. (laughs) No, she said. She she didn't. Forgot to. And I know you say it's a simple thing. There's nothing in the scripture that says you have to light a candle and pray. It's just what we do. But it's the idea of lighting our candle every day together is we're not going to do this day by ourselves. Holy Spirit is going to be a part of all of this. Holy Spirit is a part of this. Amen? Try this. You know, some of you are saying, well, Pastor, I just feel really bad because after you preach today, I feel I see how flawed and how messed up I am. I'm going to give you a way through this, okay? But right where you are, let's start with this truth. It is by grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus. Say, but I have failed and I've done things wrong. I'm in sin right now. Listen to you, Pastor. Say, it is by grace that I'm saved through faith. I love that Jesus sat with his disciples on Passover. Anybody love that? And he took bread and he broke it and he took the cup and he shared it with his disciples. And he said, you know, this is my communion with you. You're always going to know that I'm with you. I want you to take the bread. And I like that. One of the things that I like after that is that was before Jesus went to the cross. And Peter denied him bad. Anybody ever had communion and then messed up bad? Anybody? 
So I'm not saying that you're not going to fail. I'm just saying that my salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus. And I'm welcoming him. Is there anybody that you're angry at right now that you're bitter with? Would you forgive them? Would you do that? Forgive somebody. Would you do that? I don't want you to receive this cup and, and drink this bread in bitterness with someone. After all, Jesus forgave you. Aren't you glad he's not bitter towards you? So he said, take this bread, which is my body. And he gave it to them, this bread, which is my body. And I want you to take it and I want you to eat it in remembrance of me. I'm with you always. Take it. And then he gave them the cup and he said, this cup, this cup is my blood. The blood that is going to be poured out for you. This is the blood of the new covenant. Aren't you glad for his forgiveness? That he washes our sins away. Take and drink. Now let us all give thanks to the Lord. Every one of you give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Don't worry about that cup right now. You can set it down there. Put it in your pocket. Whatever you want to do. But I want you to listen to me. Listen. And read this closing scripture with me. Philippians chapter 4. Read this out loud. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That is so good. If I get any of my spirit life team in the room, where are my spirit life team? Any of you guys in the room? Would you come up and stand up here in the front? So people are in different places right now. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus. And today is a good day to give your life over to Jesus. I have uh, my spirit life team that's ready to pray with anybody. And this is, this is where we are. I'm here right now. It's like, talk about warfare. There are people that need to pray and talk to people. And these folks are ready to pray and to talk. They're not just going to come up here and anoint you and push you around. They want to see what's in your life. And they want to pray with you. So some of you have this going on. But let's talk about truth. So many are at different levels of deception right now in our world and in churches. One is partial deception. Another is heavy deception. Another is fully deceived. One is partial deception is this. I struggle with some, my, some of my favorite sins. Anybody ever had that? Come on, lift your hand. Anybody had like, like I, uh, I, I love Jesus. There's a few things that I also like. And you're just partially deceived. You know what I'm talking about? Linda's waving at me, shaking her head. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, been there. She testified up here on Sunday a few months back about being an alcoholic and being at the church. And Anybody been there before? Anybody been there? Yeah. Partially deceived. God wants to deal with that with you today. Another is heavily deceived. Heavily deceived is here in Christ. Sometimes you don't even know if you're saved. And then a third level is fully deceived. You drank the poison, pretending it works, living in shame. Can I tell you, I have met people who were heavily deceived and the truth of God exposed the lie and set them totally and completely free. They're sitting in here. They, they're in church right now. They were here at first service. The Lord will set you free. So you might be at one of these places. So what are we going to do? One is we're going to go through this process. One is repentance. We're going to repent. Repent. What is that? We're going to call it what it is and turn away from it. Confession. Repentance just in your mind is one thing, but confession is something that you do. You tell your body it's going to fess up. When you confess sin, can I tell you what happens? Anybody ever remember living in shame? When you confess sin, your shame will go away. As long as it's a secret, it has power over you. And then give your life fully back to Jesus. Lord, my life belongs to you. And, and then this, just we do this a lot. Holy Spirit, come. Accept the Holy Spirit and then walk in the Holy Spirit. I know some of you are struggling in your home and in your life. There's people that are struggling in this place. And so bow your heads with me. Ah, thank you, Father. Thank you for the word today. Thank you for the word. Bow your head with me. Uh, 
you are free today to repent, to confess, and to say, Pastor Rick, I don't care if you're an elder of the church, whoever you are, if you're struggling in some of these areas right now, if, if, if you're struggling, the enemy has been playing you, and you're tired of the game, would you just wave at me like you're, you just want to miss a parade or something? Come on, wave at me wherever you are. Wave at me. Yeah. Love you. That's tough. That right arm is kind of like in a hammer lock behind some of you. Father, in the name of Jesus. And then there are those of you who just need prayer. You need prayer for your home. You need truth regarding what you're going through. Some of you that need Holy Spirit just to come and consume you. There are those that have been challenged through this word for prayer. And I release you in the name of Jesus from all the bondage. I release you and say today is a good day for prayer. A good day for freedom. So I want you to begin to leave your seats and start moving to the front and just choose one of our prayer workers, one of our Spirit Life team members who will be glad to minister to you. Just start coming now, if you would. Father, I release them. Break the stranglehold the enemy has on so many today who are in need of prayer. Just begin to come. Bless your heart. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Well done. And as we're dismissing our service today, I want you to be able to pray with one another. So look around the room and wave at somebody. Just wave at everybody. If you need somebody to pray with you, there's somebody nearby you that would be glad to pray with you. If you're new to freedom, I would love to hang out with you for a minute out in the foyer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for people who are taking bold steps today, walking out of some deception, walking out of some brokenness. I praise you, Father, and I ask that by your spirit, people would be set free. People who are watching online, Father, touch them, give them peace and healing in their lives, and let us strengthen the buckle and walk in truth in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. If you want prayer, you can come to the front if you need prayer. Somebody will come to you. Just wave to one of the Hugs Ministry team and we'll come to you. God bless you all. I can't wait to see you again at Freedom. Go in peace. You are dismissed.